We're in a message series called Spiritual Warfare. Jesus' ministry on earth was all about spiritual warfare. When we read the gospel accounts, as we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what do you find? Well, you find Jesus confronting demons and evil spirits on just about every other page. Anybody else seen that? Nobody. Okay, it's there. It's there. <laughs> Acts 10.38, our first scripture. And there's an outline in the middle of your bulletin. I encourage you to take it out. It has the outline and the verses written out on the back page is study questions, and those will be going over in at least the Sunday Night Life group tonight, getting a little deeper to it. Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And so in this verse, Jesus' ministry is summarized as healing all who were under the power of the devil. And so in Jesus' ministry, we see him healing the sick. We see him casting out demons and those two were often intertwined. And when Jesus set somebody free from the power of Satan, they were healed. Jesus' ministry of spiritual warfare was continued. It wasn't just uh, only for Jesus alone. We see in the book of Acts that the early church continued Jesus' ministry of spiritual warfare. People continued to be healed. People, uh, demons continued to be cast out. And yet today... Churches seldom speak of demons. They seldom speak of people being set free from the power of devil. In fact, most people today, if you look at a poll, they don't really believe that Satan and his demons are real. Uh, they believe he is simply a symbol of evil. He's not a real being. He's, not, uh, he's just kind of a figment of our imagination. A number of years ago, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote an insightful book called The Screwtape Letters. And in the screw tape letters, there are, it's a fictional work to demonstrate some spiritual truths. And in the screw tape letters, there are two demons, and they talk to one another. One is named Wormwood, and the other is Screw Tape. And they talk about how they can uh, deal with people, they call them their clients, okay? <laughs> and uh, how they can uh, have success with their clients. And uh, here's, a, here's a quote. Uh, from the screw tape letters, uh, one of the pages. Our policy, these two demons are talking together for the moment, is to conceal ourselves. I do not think you will have much difficulty in keeping the patient in the dark. The fact that devils are predominantly common, uh, comic figures in the modern imagination will help you. If any faint suspicion of your existence, as a demon that is, begins to arise in his mind, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights. And persuade him that since he cannot possibly believe in that, he therefore cannot believe in you. And so there's some truth to this, that Satan and his followers or his, his uh, forces, his demons, attempt to conceal themselves. And so belief in Satan and his demons are regarded by many, even in the church, as old-fashioned. Well, they didn't really understand what caused mental illness back in the time of Jesus, and so he... He thought it was caused by demonic forces. They weren't very scientific back then. They didn't understand what was going on. And we understand much better today. We don't have to believe in such things. Well, what better strategy for our enemy Satan than to convince people that he and his demons don't exist? 
If you don't think the enemy exists, you're not going to have a very good defense against him. On July 26, the massive 9-foot-tall, 2,000-pound statue of Satan was unveiled in Detroit. Did you read about that in the news? I debated whether to have the picture here, and I thought, no, nah, probably not. And so the spokesman uh, was unveiled. There were hundreds of satanic worshipers coming to the unveiling of this giant statue of Satan. The spokesman of the satanic temple, when asked, said, well, we don't really worship Satan. He's, he's just uh, a symbol of man's nature. He's not really a supernatural being. Actually attempting to conceal the true nature of satanic worship, which is truly worshiping Satan himself. And so don't believe anything that Satan or his followers say because Satan is a liar and those who follow and worship him uh, don't tell the truth either. And so today our message is entitled, Defeating the Destroyer. Satan and his demons are very real. They are uncovered in the ministry of Jesus. They're alluded to and talked about very briefly in the Old Testament. They existed in the Old Testament, but they were hidden. They were concealed. In the ministry of Jesus, the demons were exposed. They were everywhere, and Jesus dealt with them. Satan and his demons are very real, and he is a destroyer. He is out to destroy people who have been created in the image of God. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, Referring to the thief who is an a example or a, a figure of Satan. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I, Jesus says, have come to have life that they may have life and have it to the full. And so Satan is a thief. He's out to steal things from people. He's out to kill people. He's out to destroy everything that's good in the world. Without getting into all of the theology, demons are basically fallen angels. Uh, angels that have rebelled and sinned against God. And as Satan has rebelled against God as an archangel in heaven one point and been thrown out, so his fallen angels and demons uh, obey him and continue to do his work. Demons are spirits. They can't be killed. And so... Clearly, uh, they are still around. They are still with us. Uh, they didn't disappear after Jesus went up into heaven. We see them manifesting and being dealt with in the book of Acts. They continue to our day. Do we see people stealing, killing, and destroying in our time? We do, and we've seen it down through history. And behind that destruction, behind that killing, is the destroyer, Satan himself, Satan and his forces, his demons. And today we're going to learn how Jesus defeated the destroyer. Our story today is taken from Mark chapter 5, and we're going to be reading in segments of Scripture a little longer than we normally do, but I think it will help us understand the story a little bit better. We need to beware of the destroyer. We mustn't Believe he doesn't exist, we must be beware of him. Our story begins in Mark 5, verse 1. They, speaking of Jesus and his disciples, went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. 
for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And so this is an incredible story. In the preceding chapter, Jesus and his disciples had been in a boat crossing the lake to get to this region of the Gerasenes. And as they were crossing the lake, a fierce storm arose. Jesus was asleep in the boat. His disciples were, what's going to happen? Jesus is sleeping and we're all going to drown. And so they freaked out. They panicked and they finally woke Jesus up and he woke up and he rebuked the storm. Same word that's used in the Gospels, how he rebukes demonic forces. He rebuked the storm and instantly the storm went away and it was still. I believe that Satan and the, Satan the destroyer didn't want Jesus to make it across the lake. And so he whipped up this storm and Jesus had victory over it. But as they got out of the boat, as they made it to the other side, there was a frightening sight that greeted them. This man with an impure spirit, some translations say evil spirit. This is a demon. They're all the same thing. This man came out to see, them, to see him. Now, what had the demon done to this man? Well, the man lived in the tombs. That'd be a great place to make your home. In the tombs. He was a recluse. There was nobody else there. He was living a solitary existence. He was fascinated with death. He felt at home with the bodies of dead people in this graveyard. People wanted to bind him to prevent him from hurting other people or maybe hurting himself. He was a violent man. He had supernatural strength. Nothing that they bound him with could contain him. He just broke them like the, the bonds as if they were nothing. He would cry out. He would cut himself. You know, today we have teens that cut themselves. Why? The destroyer is behind this. Back then, the same thing. He was cutting himself with stones. He was in torment, and yet he continued to abuse his own body. He was naked. He didn't have any modesty to cover himself. The presence of the demons in the man brought destruction into his life. In fact, you might say he was living as an animal and not like a human being created in the image of God. Satan was out to destroy this man. Today, what would our doctors say? He's insane. Lock him up. Pump him full of drugs. Calm him down. Put him in a straitjacket. That's the only thing we know to do. They wouldn't be able to discern the root cause the man's problem was demonic, was evil spirits. And so we need to beware the destroyer who hides himself. Now, as we're going to see this morning, this was an extreme case of demon possession. Now, many different words are used in the Bible to describe the activity of demons in a person. We don't have time to go through all the different expressions. But as we look at all of these examples, we, we see that the influence of Demons or evil spirits or unclean spirits, they use different names, they're all the same thing, can vary from a little bit to seemingly complete control, complete demonization. Now actually the word demon possession in the Bible, and a lot of people think you're either possessed or you're not, it's like a yes or no, the word in the Greek is really to be demonized, which which means it, it's, a, it's a gradual thing. You can be demonized a little bit. You can be demonized a lot. And as we'll see, of course, the more 
demons you have, the greater the demonization. And we'll see this is a very extreme case. Now, how did the man get this way? Well, the Bible doesn't say. But I believe it was probably a gradual process. Overt and habitual sin can open the door for demonic control to come into someone's life. Occult worship, the worship of idols. Jesus, uh, God's word tells us when idols are worshipped of any kind, whether they're little statues or there's something else in our life that we put, exalt above God. When idols are worshipped, it opens the door to demonic, uh, demonic involvement. At other times, it appears that severe trauma or the use of mind-altering drugs or alcohol can open the door to demons. Addictions, in many cases, have a demonic component. So the spiritual gift, there's a spiritual gift of discerning or distinguishing of spirits to understand what is behind a certain behavior or, or what's going on in a certain person's life. That the gift can be used to discover and identify a demonic presence in a person. Are demons real today? Well, absolutely. They've not disappeared since the time of Jesus. Now, this week on the church blog, I posted a story about a young lady being delivered from same-sex attraction. And in this story, she actually saw and wrestled with a demonic presence. I encourage you to read it. It's a very gripping and encouraging story. Don't have time to tell the whole story today. It's, it's quite long. But ask God to help you to discern the spirits behind those who have destructive behavior. I think we all probably know people whose lives are being destroyed by destructive behavior. It might be drugs. It might be alcohol. It might be suicidal thoughts. It might be we consider a severe emotional problems. There could very well be evil spirits behind those behaviors. Ask God to help you to discern those things, either uh, with people in your life. Why? So that the enemy can be confronted. Our story continues in verse 6. When he, speaking of the man with these, this, these evil spirits, saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of the man, you impure spirit. And so the demonized man runs up to Jesus. I can imagine if I was a disciple right then, I probably would have jumped back into the boat. And uh, this guy was probably huge. He was very strong. He was quite a sight. I don't have to go over it again. But just as he gets to Jesus, instead of attacking him, he falls on his knees. And Jesus, recognizing the source of the man's issue, commands the demon to come out of him. And in response, the demon screams and calls Jesus the son of the most high God. Now, as we see throughout the ministry of Jesus, the demons immediately recognize who Jesus is. People sometimes had a problem recognizing who Jesus was. The demons knew exactly who he was. He was the divine son of God. They recognized he had great power. That's why the man falls at Jesus' feet. The demons were in total control of the man. We see through the count in the book of Acts that demons recognize believers who pray in the name of Jesus have power over them. 
But people who aren't believers, the demons pay no attention to and they can attack and cause great destruction through people. And so the demons demand that Jesus stop torturing or tormenting them. You see, demons are spirits. They have no bodies. Of course, angels are the same. They are spirits as well. They have no bodies. But demons are evil, and they strongly desire to inhabit bodies. They want to be inside bodies. They want to possess. They want to influence. They want to be close to, to, first and foremost, people. And if that doesn't work, they second choice would be animals. I won't go into, you know, whether they'd rather be in a cat or a dog or whatever. I may offend some people here. Um, but it's possible, you see. It's possible that they can actually be in animals. And we're going to see that in this story. And so they want to control, they want to bring destruction to anybody that they inhabit. And they resist fiercely being cast out. They don't want to be cast out. They don't want to uh, wander. We're going to talk about a teaching of Jesus on that in a minute. So here we see Jesus was commanding these demons to come out, and they didn't immediately come out. And uh, they're going to argue with Jesus for a while, but he was confronting the enemy. Would you have the courage to cast a demon out of a madman? It would be a challenge, wouldn't it? If you're a believer, you can in the name of Jesus. Would you have the courage to set someone free from suicidal thoughts? from drug addiction, from alcoholism, from cutting themselves, from homosexuality, well, you can be assured that there is some kind of demonic involvement in all of these things and many others, many other types of destructive and violent behaviors. It's commonly stated that a believer cannot be demon-possessed. Now, the Bible doesn't state that anywhere, but it's a reasonable assumption that a, a believer cannot be 100% possessed by evil spirits because if he was, I mean, where would be it's just by nature of that statement, if he's 100% possessed by the devil, there's no room for God. I think we can safely say the Gerasene demoniac that we're talking about, who we'll see in a minute, uh, had thousands of demons afflicting him, was not a believer until Jesus delivered him. But we said that demonization can be at various levels, and we see all kinds of levels in the different incidents that, where Jesus sets a person free. Can a believer have a demon influencing his behavior? Can a believer have a demonic force oppressing him or causing him to, to have self-destructive behavior? And I'd say yes, and they need to be delivered from Satan's power. In the early church, those who were saved routinely went through exorcism prior to water baptism. And at water baptism, then they were prayed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So how can demons be dealt with? Well, in the same way that Jesus did. Uh, commanding them to come out in the name of Jesus. Jesus used much, many different languages, uh, telling people to be loosed from the bondage of Satan, uh, all kinds of things, to be healed. The exact words are not important, but faith in Jesus' name is required to take authority over demonic power. So let's see how Jesus delivered this man. Verse 9, Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? He's speaking to this man, but the entity that replies is not the man, it's the demon, because the demon is possessing the man and speaking through him. 
He said, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us into the pigs and allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down a steep slope, steep bank, into the lake and were drowned. And so the man had these uh, the demons had this man in complete possession. They were speaking through the man's lips. Uh, Jesus asked the demons what their name was. He, the, the voice replied, our name is Legion. A legion in the Roman army consisted of about 6,000 soldiers. And so the man was infested with many, many demons. The demons understood that Jesus had power over them. They attempted to bargain with him. They didn't want to be simply cast out. There's a parallel passage to this story in Luke chapter 8. It indicates they feared being sent into the abyss. Uh, the abyss is the place of eternal hellfire. It's reserved for unbelievers and the devil and his angels or demons. And that is the place they will spend eternity suffering torment for their rebellion against God. Uh, these demons didn't want to be sent to that before the time, the time of the last judgment. And so they were pleading to be sent into the pigs, because certainly going into a pig was better than being sent to the abyss. And so they asked for permission. Why did Jesus give them permission to leave the man and go into the pigs? Well, we don't know for sure, but first of all, his priority was to set the man free, to get those demons out of the man. And secondly, the herd of pigs, what happened? Well, they went crazy. They plunged into the lake. And so they were dead too, and so the demons had to go out and roam around, not having anybody to possess. The herd was 2,000 pigs, another indication that there were thousands of demons tormenting one man. Jesus set him free, and as we'll see, the result was a dramatic change. Now, Jesus gave an important teaching on deliverance from evil spirits in Luke chapter 11. He said that when an evil spirit is cast out of a man, it it wanders around in desert or arid, arid places looking to find rest, looking to find rest in some type of body, somebody to inhabit, somebody to possess. And it says, when, Jesus said, when the spirit doesn't find rest, it goes back to the man from which it had been cast out. And if it finds the man's body, man's life empty, it says, Jesus said, it takes seven more evil spirits and they invade the man's body. And his final state is worse than he was at first. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying if a man has a one evil spirit inside of him and that spirit is cast out, spirit wanders around, he comes back, and the man's life is empty. We'll see what that means in a minute. There's nothing in there. There's no Holy Spirit. He's going to get seven other spirits. By my calculator, that's seven plus one. He brings eight in, and now the man has eight demons. His final state with eight demons is far worse than with one. And I suspect that's how this guy got 2,000. I mean, it started with one, then it went to eight, and then to 64, and I can't uh, calculate anymore, but that's just an idea of how it works. But Jesus' point was that after a person is delivered from evil spirits... The person must be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So they're not empty anymore. And the presence of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, can prevent the demons from returning and bringing an even worse state of demonization. And so the best protection against evil spirits is to be completely filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when you pray with a person to free them from bondage to evil spirits, make sure you pray with them so that they're saved for sure, and secondly, that they're filled with the Holy Spirit, or your efforts may be in vain, and the end of the end result for the person may be even worse than before you prayed for them. So Jesus is our example in defeating the destroyer, but we must be prepared uh, for rejection. The story continues and takes an odd twist, beginning in verse 14. It said, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had, been, who had seen it told the people who had happened, what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. So we had the before picture of this man, this demon-possessed man, living in the tombs, cutting himself with stones, screaming, naked, uh, totally out of his mind. And now we have the after picture, after Jesus had delivered him from these evil spirits. Everything was reversed. Rather than running around and screaming, he was all by himself in the tombs. He was sitting with other people, calmly sitting. Rather than being naked, he was dressed. Rather than being a violent madman, he was in his right mind, calmly speaking to people. He was completely free of the demonic powers. That was the root cause of all this bizarre behavior was demonic presence within the man. And isn't it interesting, the people were afraid. They were afraid. They were afraid of the power of Jesus. And I suspect 2,000 pigs was... Uh, Quite a lot of money somebody had lost, don't you think? And they weren't sure what Jesus was going to do next. Because there was probably some other herds of pigs around there. These were Gentiles. And what this Jewish preacher was going to do to all their pigs. And so they wanted Jesus to leave. They pleaded that he leave their city. In other words, the Gentiles of the Gerasenes had seen a wonderful miracle. This man had been set free, going from what living a life of an animal to being put in his right mind. They rejected the deliverance ministry of Jesus because it frightened them. In the Gospels, in the book of Acts, we see many encounters of Jesus and his followers with demons, setting people free from bondage. And yet, as we said, few churches even speak of these accounts or they spiritualize them. Fewer still teach on the present day nature of demons. And how can people, how Jesus can set people free today? Why is this? Well, first of all, many people, including many believers, really don't believe that demons are around today. And uh, as we've said, in third world countries and countries like that, places we would consider far less educated than we, 
There is a great belief in evil spirits, and missionaries routinely cast them out of people and set people free. But in the United States, we don't believe in them, and so they operate concealed, and we don't deal with them. Many people don't believe in the spiritual gifts that would empower them to deal with demons. And talk of demons frightens people. It's not something that nice people talk about. We don't want to hear about it. So who is behind churches ignoring spiritual warfare? Who is behind not talking about the reality of evil spirits? That's Satan himself. He wants to hide things. He wants to keep them covered so that he can continue his work of evil undercover. Oftentimes, churches are people that talk about the stories of Jesus delivering people and how it can apply to us today are rejected by others because they don't understand spiritual warfare or they have this mentality that certain parts of the Bible don't apply to us today. But I would encourage you to keep praying for people. There are people that you know that are suffering and being tormented by evil spirits. And God wants us to help them be set free. Our story finishes in verse 18. We need to spread the truth. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him in all the people were amazed. And so the people of the region wanted Jesus to go away. Go away, Jesus. We don't need you anymore. We want our pigs and uh, we don't have any more madmen for you to deal with. Just go away. But the man who had been demon-possessed said, Jesus, I want to go with you. I appreciate everything you've done for me. I want to follow you. Clearly the man had become a believer in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, no, I have another mission for you. Rather than just following along with me, I want you to go in your area. The area of Decapolis spoke of 10 Gentile cities in the region and tell all these people what I have done. Be a witness for me. Tell people about what I've done for you and what I can do for them. Tell people how I've had mercy on you and how I have changed your life. And the man began to do that, to spread the message of Jesus far and wide in his own uh, cities, the people that he knew, and the people were amazed at his story. And so Jesus came to set people free from bondage to sin and Satan, and he's still setting people free today. Denial of the reality of Satan and his evil spirits is keeping many in bondage, including, including believers. So I'd encourage you to read through a gospel if you haven't recently, especially uh, Mark, Luke, or Matthew, those are the ones that emphasize this ministry of Jesus and see how Jesus healed people. See how Jesus set people free from all kinds of sicknesses and bondages. Oftentimes, not all the time, uh, oftentimes demonic presence can be behind various illnesses and diseases, and you can see that in the Gospels as well. Look around at people you know, people who are battling illnesses or various kinds of self-destructive behavior. Begin to pray that God would give you insight how to pray. How to minister to the people so they can be set free. Share the truth with others about spiritual warfare. It's real. We believe all of the Bible. And Jesus wants to bring his victory to more and more people. 
Of course, the first step to walking in the freedom of Christ is to become a believer, to submit your life to Jesus Christ and to be filled with his Holy Spirit. If you're a believer and you're filled with the Spirit of God, then you are protected from the forces of the enemy. And so here's how to become a disciple or follower of Jesus Christ. First of all, admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. Secondly, believe that Jesus died to forgive your sins. Ask him to forgive you and commit your life to following him as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. If you've never prayed this prayer before, I'd encourage you to pray. If you've perhaps committed your life to Jesus in the past and you've perhaps wandered away, be a good time to recommit your life to him. Say something like this, Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. Things that I knew were wrong, I did them. And I know you call that sin. Please forgive me. I believe you died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit my life to following you as my Lord and Savior. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for this incredible encounter of Jesus with the power of Satan's demons. We thank you that he had the complete victory. And we thank you that this same power of Jesus is available to us today to set people free from all kinds of bondages, all kinds of oppression of the enemy. We pray that you'd give us discernment, how to pray, how to minister to people who are struggling in different areas of their life. We earnestly desire to move, God, in the spiritual gifts of healing, discerning of spirits. And we seek you, as your word says, that you might help us to grow in these areas so that we can bring deliverance to so many people who need your touch. Forgive us, God, for being afraid, afraid to step out, afraid to pray, afraid to get involved. Just let others do it or nothing be done. Help us to have the compassion that you had for people that are in terrible states, or maybe not so terrible, but they're suffering. Self-destructive behavior, addictive behavior, other things, God, that need to be set free. Give us the courage to be bold witnesses for Jesus, and give us the faith to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and to be filled with the Spirit as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.